Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Gluten-Free Guide podcast with your hosts, Vanessa Weisbrod and Emily Friedner. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Guide podcast. I'm Vanessa Weisbrod coming to you from the Celiac Disease Program at Children's National Health System. Before we get started, I want to say a huge thank you to the Walter and Jean Boak Global Autoimmune Institute for their ongoing support and partnership to make this podcast possible. Today we're talking about a very important topic, future therapies for celiac disease. We're talking about drugs, vaccines, and all of those medical treatments that would potentially make it possible for people with celiac disease to eat gluten. Our special guest for today is Dr. Jocelyn Sylvester. She's the director of research of the Celiac Disease Program at Boston Children's Hospital and an expert on all of these new things that are under development to treat celiac disease. Today, Ellen Wilcox, our reporter, is in the field with Dr. Sylvester, so I'm going to toss it over to you, Ellen. Dr. Sylvester, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Parents are constantly asking for miracle treatments to help their children with celiac disease be able to just eat gluten. Is there anything like this that exists? Not yet, but hopefully soon. How soon? Hopefully in our lifetimes, but probably not before your children will be grown up. So that is less soon (laughs) than parents might hope. What is in the research pipeline right now? So there's several things, and there's much more going on than there had been even five or 10 years ago. And so we're lucky now we're having some things that are moving from that preclinical stage where it's really ideas and animals on to actually being able to test some things in humans. And so in order to treat celiac disease, of course, we have to understand how it works. And one of the limitations in developing a treatment has been that we don't really have a great understanding of the underlying pathophysiology and what is actually happening for somebody who used to be able to tolerate gluten to then develop celiac disease and not be able to tolerate gluten. So a lot of the treatments are actually focused on gluten itself or on dampening the immune response. And so the treatments for gluten are related to either gluten-free diet, which if we could get all the gluten out would be fantastic, and treatments that might be good as an adjunct to a gluten-free diet. So you could try to be gluten-free, but if you're in a situation where there might be a high risk of cross-contact, then you could have something to take to maybe help you out. So such as in a restaurant. Such as in a restaurant, exactly. We know that restaurants are probably the most high-risk situation for patients with celiac disease because they're having to trust people who may not be as familiar with gluten-free diet to feed them. And so... Uh, Some of these products have been through trials. They're enzymes, and the idea is that the human digestive system doesn't break down gluten small enough, and that's part of the reason why it can trigger the immune system. So there's bacterial enzymes that can actually cut the bonds in gluten that our digestive enzymes can't. So can you take this additional enzyme, kind of like you take a lactate pill, in order to digest the gluten so then the gluten doesn't trigger the immune system? And there's two of those in the pipeline. One is almost like a first generation, and then the second one has been chemically engineered to make it work faster. And so hopefully this is something that we'll be seeing um, 
progressing through trials. Uh, there's also uh, been some products looking at just binding the gluten, because if you could somehow get the gluten and block it so it can't go in because it's too big or it doesn't fit, would that be another way to prevent celiac disease? Or there's leakiness that's letting gluten get in. Could you somehow block those, block the spaces between the cells so that you could then prevent gluten from getting in? And so that's lorazotide acetate, which is another product that has been uh, through some early trials. And then further into the future are some more immune-based therapies. They're looking at actually modifying the immune system um, so that we can change that balance from being, developing a reaction to being tolerant to gluten. Would any of these types of treatments be considered an actual cure? Well, it depends what you mean by a cure. I think definitely when we start to talk about modifying the immune response, then if we can increase tolerance to gluten, if that helps with all of the side effects of having gluten exposure, then I think that would probably constitute a cure. You did say, as we started to talk, that it can take a long time between research getting a product all the way through to being ready to be taken by a patient. But are any of these treatments currently in research, you know, closer to that than others? So there's definitely some that are now at the point where we're testing them in patients. And so there's different stages for testing a treatment. And one of the first steps is to see in healthy people, how is the drug absorbed? How is it excreted? What's the right dose? And then taking people with the disease and seeing if it does what you want it to do. And then taking people and trying to figure out, is there some person who has the disease, maybe somebody who has more symptoms or somebody who has a high TTG who might respond better to this therapy than somebody else. So uh, once those trials are completed, then you can talk about going to the FDA and saying, look, we have a drug that works. And one of the barriers, of course, is that this is a very expensive process. So the cost for preclinical stage depends how quickly you get to something that you can actually have as a drug, but that's millions of dollars. The first phase could be another 50 million on average, and the second phase, double that maybe. And then by the time you finish, you're looking at about a $200 million bill, assuming that what you make is successful. So you mentioned the preclinical phase, and that's before it ever sees a patient for testing, right? Exactly. So this is before the compound or whatever is being developed is even proposed as something that could be tested in humans. And that's why it takes so long and is so expensive. Well, there's, there's two parts to it. One is, yes, it takes a long time to get there. The other is that even when you get to testing things in humans, it's very expensive to test in humans. And the important thing is that we can't test in humans unless we have humans who volunteer. Are you involved personally in any research for celiac disease? Yes, so I'm based in Boston at Boston Children's Hospital. And as part of the Harvard Celiac Research Program, we have many research studies going on. One of the things we're focusing on is um, actually looking at assessing gluten-free diet adherence and trying to see if there's any ways we can help our patients be more adherent. Because we know that as much as we'd like to have new therapies, and we're also preparing some trials, um, which we're hoping to start enrolling later this year in order to start looking at if there's any better endpoints for trials. But in the meantime, we know that the gluten-free diet is the tool we have, and we want to see if there's ways we can implement that better and support our patients better. So what are the things that you're looking at and studying that could help patients adhere to the diet better? So one of the things we're looking at is just assessment tools. It's actually shocking that there's no standardized way to determine if somebody is on a gluten-free diet. It mostly involves meeting with an expert who has a lot of experience, but there's not a set 
list of questions or even a set list of places you should look to see where is the gluten sneaking in. Certainly, people who have a lot of experience are very good at finding where the gluten came from, but there's not really a standardized process, and maybe there's ways we could be more efficient at doing this. Another thing we're working at is we have some collaborations looking at actually markers of gluten excretion as a marker of gluten ingestion. So when you ingest gluten, you can find proteins in your stool or in your urine, which suggests that you've had gluten. And so if we track those, can we then help people work back and see what contain gluten? So that makes me think of a diabetic who's testing urine for presence of sugar. One day there might be a similar easy test like that for patients with celiac disease to see if they're getting gluten exposure. Absolutely. There's some published data. It's available in Europe and hopefully will be coming to the United States soon. Wow, that is so interesting. I hope to hear more about that. You mentioned the importance of patients being involved in clinical trials, that you cannot do them without patients. So how can patients get involved if they're interested, and what should they know about the process in making that decision? So I think the most important thing is to be aware, and one of the ways to be aware is to be a joiner. And so definitely around the country, around the world, there's celiac disease organizations that are very active in advocating for our patients, and they often are more aware of what's going on in the research community, and that's often where we will look to recruit patients. Another resource is clinicaltrials.gov, which is a registry that, um, in order to publish studies now, it's required that you put the information about your study there. So you can actually go to the clinicaltrials.gov website, put in celiac disease, and see current and past studies on celiac disease and whether they're recruiting, if there's any results. Are there things that a patient should consider before deciding to join a trial? Absolutely. So I think there's a few important things. Most of all, most of the trials are going to involve consuming gluten. And this is actually one of the things that can be most difficult in doing studies, either for new treatments or even to look at the effects of gluten, is that patients with celiac disease spend so much time focusing on not having gluten that when we ask them to eat gluten, that's often the first barrier to participation. Another thing is that in terms of out endpoints for celiac disease, right now most studies are using histology as an outcome. And histology so, is? So patients who are participating in research studies should expect that they may well be required to undergo a biopsy as part oh, of the study. Okay, so not just blood tests, but actually having to do a biopsy. Certainly for new therapies, I think, but I think it's important to emphasize that there's lots of research that's going on in other areas and that that may not require any blood work at all. And so certainly being aware and joining your local organizations or national organizations as a way to find out and be involved. So joining organizations to be in the know and also checking the website clinicaltrials.gov. Absolutely. Great. Is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know? I think the important thing is that it's really important that there be a two-way communication and that there's work together to get towards the goal of having better treatments for celiac disease. I think it's really interesting that treatments for celiac disease are something that often the response is, well, we already have a treatment, we have a gluten-free diet. And I think that our colleagues with type 1 diabetes have been very effective in really pointing out that just because you have insulin doesn't mean you have a cure. And I think similarly for celiac disease, just because you have a gluten-free diet doesn't mean you have a cure. And definitely over the past 10 to 15 years, there's been a switch in the attitude of the medical and the research community that we have a gluten-free diet, it's difficult to follow, it can be socially ostracizing, 
people aren't necessarily happy doing it, there's lots of mistakes, people are having symptoms, and if we biopsy them again, a lot of the patients aren't getting better. So certainly there's a need for something better, and that's what patients are telling us, and that's where we're starting to go. Thank you so much for telling us about the treatments that might get us there. Thank you, Dr. Sylvester. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of that great information, Jocelyn. I learned so much. It's really interesting to think about what I would do someday when there actually could be a treatment for celiac disease. I've gotten so used to just managing a gluten-free diet, it's interesting to think about whether or not I would actually change my mind. But I guess we'll have to wait and see once those drugs are actually on the market. So thanks again to Jocelyn and to Ellen and to all of those listeners out there. We'll talk to you again next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.